Next on BYU Sports Nation, Cougar football on a mission for national respect. How do they get more of it? And which teams have already blazed that trail? BYU's leading tackler from a year ago, Brandon Ogletree, joins us to discuss BYU's defense and what to expect from the Utes. Plus, the ESPN spotlight focusing on Cougar basketball and the one BYU team that absolutely deserves your attention. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. It is Wednesday, September 11th, wherever and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Great show today. And as much as we love sports and as passionate as we are about BYU and really college athletics in general, it takes a backseat to this. We give a sincere rise and shout out to all those who have served our country so diligently, both at the regional and national level. September 11th, we will not forget. And the BYU Athletics Department also with a fantastic representation of what this day means to our country. The official BYU Cougars uh, Twitter handle this morning tweeted out a picture of Chad Lewis, uh, former BYU tight end, pro bowler with the Eagles in the NFL, took an American flag up to the Y uh, this morning. It's a, it's a jog. He said he did it in 22 minutes, but carried a flag to the top of the Y. Um, on this on this day of uh, September 11th, as you mentioned, and just personally, I'm super appreciative. Both my parents were in the Air Force. I was born on an Air Force base. Uh, my sisters in the reserves, and so super appreciative of everyone that uh, contributes to the safety of our nation. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things you will never forget where you are when it happened, and uh, just the gravity of that day, and and how the country really bonded and united after that. I was in Korea when it happened, and so I I felt such a sense of uh, national pride to see the country come together and, and remember what mattered most. And uh, yeah, again, sports taking a backseat to that. So thank you to all of those who have served and are continuing to serve this great country that we we live in. A friendly reminder, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. Again, that's how you listen, and this is how you join the conversation on a daily basis. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation, and as always, vote in our daily poll question at BYUTVSports.com, and I believe that poll question is live right now. Yes, that question is, what will BYU's record be through eight games this season? Our discussion today will revolve around, uh, one of them at least, is BYU's record through eight games. That is through the end of October, 7-1, and 6-2, and 5-3, or 4-4, four and four or worse, weigh in on BYUTVSports.com. We'll update the, res- the results throughout the show. Again, that stretch of games include Utah State, Georgia Tech, at Houston, Boise State, and, of course, the games at the end of September against Utah and Middle Tennessee. Through eight games, where will BYU be entering that brutal November stretch against Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Nevada, and then you have... Uh, Perhaps a, Don't forget Idaho State. A breathable game against Idaho State. Live on BYU TV. It is live on <laughs> BYU TV Sports. I'm glad you're here to remind us of that, Jeremy. Hey, it's time for What's Trending. Rise and shout, my friends. Topic number one, shifting the paradigm. BYU is good for college football. BYU being relevant and, and BYU being highly competitive on the field is a very good thing for those of us who broadcast college football. That's desired. ESPN's Joe Tessitore, guy that uh, created the Tess effect, very Which accomplished. Which was not in effect Saturday. 
No. Well, I mean, you could argue with 550 yards rushing, that was just bizarre. A special experience or performance? Is yeah. that what it is rather yeah. than a close so, game? So maybe the test effect was a little bit different, a little skewed. That guy knows college football. He's absolutely dialed in. He joined us last Friday, and that was his take on BYU being relevant now. that BYU is important for college football. Uh, now we go to how do how does BYU earn more of that national respect? Uh, Joe Tessitore has given it to them. He's covered them closely. He's called a number of their games. But it seems that even though they beat Texas 40-21, to most of the attention has been on how bad was Texas? Yes. How horrible was that defense? And BYU has definitely become the subplot. So how do the Cougars generate more national respect after piling up nearly 700 yards on Texas and winning by 19 against the 15th-ranked team in the country? Where does it begin? And that's our Twitter question. We want you guys to weigh in on, uh, on Twitter, at BYU Sports Nation. We've already had uh, a bunch of tweets, but keep them coming. How does BYU uh, become more relevant nationally? I think part of it is, uh, well, a big thing is winning. You have to be consistently winning. If BYU had been a 10- or 11-win team last year, more of the discussion is BYU this week than it is Texas' failure to meet BYU. Uh, and, of course, Texas is a, a pr- uh, program with so much tradition and whatnot. BYU is not close to uh, that level uh, quite yet. BYU's won a bunch of games last few years, but you did throw in a 7-win season and an 8-win season. If those had been 10 or 11 wins, BYU's getting a ton of attention this week as opposed to Texas. Yeah, the Cougars back... You know, in in the national discussion because of the gravity of what they did against the Longhorns. But again, most of the attention focused on Mac Brown on the hot seat. Uh, what has happened to the Texas program? And how do they let BYU, a team that is known for passing, has been known for passing for decades, run for a school record 550 yards? So how does BYU generate more positivity about their play and begin to at least compete with Texas in terms of national respect. An interesting debate, an interesting conversation. We want you to weigh in at BYU Sports Nation. On Monday, we had another ESPN College football analyst, Trevor Maddich, join us for the first of what we hope will be many Maddich Mondays. And he was talking those three code word, code letters that Jerem Jordan absolutely hates, BCS. You know, losing to Virginia kind of bounced them off of people's hopes that, that we could talk about them nationally. And stomping Texas to the degree that they did puts them right back there. Now, all of a sudden, the schedule shakes out so that they've got some games that are winnable. And then they play another couple of tough games with Georgia Tech and Boise State in October. Then they get through that, and they've got Wisconsin and Notre Dame in November. And so if they can now continue to improve, and there are certain areas where they still need to really improve, that all of a sudden BYU has a chance to be in the conversation in November for a potential BCS buster. Oh, there it is. BCS busting. And, Jerem, you're, you're going to temper temper that a little bit right now. And I can't say I disagree with, with why you do that. Because when BYU lost to Virginia, how many Cougar fans were ready to write the season off? And then you beat Texas. It's like, we're going to BCS. We are game. back, baby. We are back. We're going 11-1. and one. We are, we are, We've made it. Temper that. Well, uh, one, I'm just not a fan of the BCS in general. It, if you haven't read Death to the BCS by uh, the Yahoo Sports crew, it is awesome. It just shows you the corruption of the system. 
But more importantly, with BYU, I just think it's so early to discuss those kinds of things. I, I realize, and today we'll go into this, the schedule, we can discuss what could happen um, if things go right in the schedule. But BYU's 1-1. One one. It's just so early. If BYU's 7-1 going into November, let's talk about it. And let's see where Louisville sits. Yeah, Louisville, not Louisville. I can't even say it the other way now. Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> if Teddy Bridgewater and Louisville are in, are undefeated or just one loss, it's not going to matter. Um, who... You know who's outside that because the American has the auto bid. You know there or whatever. So I, I just think it's really early. I think if we get later in the season, BYU just has one loss. Then now we're talking, and now being late October, one win at a time. How many times have you heard a team, a player, or a coach say that? But right now we take it uh, one game at a time. Right now it has to be about Utah, and it is. It is. Yeah, it is about Utah. No BYU player is overlooking Utah. Is it Middle Tennessee State after Utah? Is that the game after? I literally can't tell you. I thought I had the schedule memorized, but I'm so focused on Utah. I, is it Middle Tennessee State? I'm, lo- I'm looking right at it. It's Middle Tennessee State. It's a trap game. BYU is focused on Middle Tennessee, so they're going to overlook <laughs> Utah. No, the, BYU is focused on this game for like 70 million reasons, and they should be. They've lost to the Utes three years in a row. Kyle Van Noy has never beaten Utah. This will be the last game... Jeremy told me this yesterday. The last game, last time that Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams will play Utah because they're taking the two-year hiatus. You think they don't want to win this game? Are you kidding me? Like, if BYU doesn't win next Saturday, Kyle Van Noy, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, none of those guys beat Utah. They got to win. And they are amped and ready to bring it on September 21st. It's big for so many reasons, but you throw in the two-year delay, the hiatus of the bye, the mission trip, as I call it, that Utah's taking in scheduling, it's, it's humongous. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about a couple of teams that have kind of set the precedent uh, in two different paths to create a lot of that national buzz, that BCS buzz, if you will, uh, a little bit later on in the show. Okay, trending topic number two, scheduling dominoes. I think that's the next step that BYU really has to do. That, you know, in order for BYU to establish their dominance you know, as an independent squad, um, and get that national recognition. They're going to have to go on the road this year and beat some, some big opponents. David Nixon uh, joining the show Monday, uh, former BYU linebacker and NFL linebacker. I like what he talked about. You've got to take care of business at home, but you really set your mark on the road. And BYU's got an opportunity, not only this year with games at Wisconsin and Notre Dame on the road, to continue to have Texas-like moments nationally where you may be able to sway the nation. You do it by continuing to do it. Uh, and if BYU can win and win big, or just win, doesn't matter by how much, on the road uh, this year, they'll continue to kind of become more relevant nationally, and then you can carry that into next season when the schedule is actually a little easier for BYU, where you could make a run. I think Trevor Maddich, he said that the schedule shakes out uh, in a positive way for BYU. Now that, even though he lost to Virginia, you beat Texas, and I feel like the schedule crescendos. You get through Utah, then you've got Middle Tennessee. Gets a little bit tougher, well, really a lot tougher, in Logan at Utah State the week after that. Then Georgia Tech. Then a road game at Houston, which is a tricky game before the home game against Boise State. And then all of a sudden, you have the climax in November with Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and a tough game, tricky game at Nevada to end the season. So, yeah, the schedule shakes out for BYU to do something very special yes, this year. But let's go. Get there. Let's start yeah. with Utah. 
Let's get through October and see where BYU is at that point. And when you look at BYU's future schedules, I'm pulling up a document um, as we speak of, of every time BYU makes a scheduling announcement, I try to throw it into uh, into a document and just kind of get it. And I don't have the right one up here, but um, BYU has an easier schedule next year. Um, you're going to go on the road to Texas. You have uh, you know Connecticut, uh, UNLV. Uh, you don't have Utah. You still have Boise State. You don't have as many challenges like Wisconsin and Notre Dame in November kind of situation. You ha- you start to get some decent games in November at home. This year, BYU just has one, and it's Idaho State. So it is backloaded for BYU. Uh, and the opportunity will be there. But BYU really needs to bring it in the first eight games. And then you go into November, and that's when it's really going to going to weigh down on BYU if, if they're 7-1 and one at that point, if they can win the next six. The opportunity is there, and the nation will be watching. At Wisconsin, at Notre Dame, BYU has a tough enough schedule to where, like you said, the domino effect, uh, it could be really big at the end and nationally relevant. Trending topic number three, coaching credit. There are, is a tremendous story uh, uh, that's currently happening in the program. And uh, a big chunk of that is going on with the offensive line. Uh, you need to be talking with Garrett Touget. You need to be talking with our offensive line. We need to give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. And as great and as remarkable as that rushing performance was from BYU, from Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Paul Lasique, incredible effort on their individual part. But how much of the credit needs to go to the coaching staff for making adjustments between week one and week two. The loss of Virginia to the win against Texas, there were so many different things that had to change and did change, and the coaches maybe are a little bit in the shadow of some of those crazy numbers that individuals put up for BYU. So the coaches, I mean, you beat Texas 40-21, to that is coaching. You cannot stand here and tell me that Texas is not more athletic than BYU. They have so many good athletes on that roster. It is coaching that made a huge difference. Effort and execution. Uh, we've heard those buzzwords from Robert and I and Bronco Mendenhall throughout fall camp and into the season now. Uh, had a good conversation with one of the grad assistants yesterday for BYU who mentioned, we just played, we didn't play that much better than Virginia. And I was surprised by that. He said, but we played with so much more effort and confidence. And that was the difference to him. We should mention, by the way, Bronco Mendenhall this morning, at BYU underscore football, uh, he tweeted a photo, an Instagram photo that someone sent him. He said, I have amazing men on my staff. I just received this. Made me smile and made my day. It's an Instagram picture of the BYU coaching staff helping someone uh, change their tire. And here's the text from Instagram. <laughs> Got a flat tire. These guys decked out in BYU gear helping me... Uh, chain it. I asked them if they watched the game on Saturday and asked if they liked football. It turns out they were the BYU football coaches. <laughs> Getting it done on the side <laughs> of the road and on the sidelines. Yeah. Oh, that is great stuff. Okay. Uh, coaching credit, going back to this last topic, uh, a final thought. Do you think on paper, take for example Washington State USC, should USC ever lose to Washington State right now on paper? No. No. Seven points with Marquise Lee on your team? Just line him up in the Wildcat. You'll score at least 14. Throw a 50-yard pass to Marquise Lee every play, and you'll probably beat Washington State. Okay, I know that might be a little bit crazy, but coaching 
makes a difference. USC should not lose to Washington State. Texas should not lose to BYU. But when you, you mentioned the effort, the execution, and just the will to win, the coaching. Huge discrepancies right there. And BYU has a fantastic coaching staff on both sides of the ball. You have great coaches. And how did BYU win in the 90s with those teams? They were not the. They, I think that BYU is way more athletic now than they were during the 80s and 90s. Um, but they had great, great coaches, great execution, discipline, effort. All those things led to wins. That makes for a great program. Okay, we remind you before we go to break, join the conversation on Twitter. What does BYU need to do to have the football focus on them at a national level? Send us your tweets at BYU Sports Nation. Also, coming up. Brandon Ogletree joins the program to discuss the Cougar defense and what they can expect from Utah. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You are listening to the BYU Radio Sports Network, and we have dived in several Intriguing topics, Jerem. Uh, most relevant, perhaps, right now on Twitter. What does BYU have to do to get back? Well, get more respect at a national level in college football. Yeah, and we'll get to some of those tweets in a moment. Let's update the poll result. What will BYU's record be through eight games this season? The leader right now, seven and one, followed by six and two, five and three, and then four and four. Zero percent, four and four or worse. Nobody's thinking BYU is going to lose four or more. That's not really surprising after you beat Texas no. by 19. No. But 7-1 and one, the leader. So C- Cougar fans confident. I'm surprised. I-, I did not think it would be that. I-, I-, I thought they would be more tempered. But, again, this is uh, an exciting time. Uh, you're riding an emotional high going into a bye week and then Utah coming up. So right now, 7-1 and one leading the charge on BYUTVSports.com. Brandon Ogletree led the BYU Cougars in tackles last year, a, an intriguing 2012 campaign, and he has offered some great insight on his website, ogletreefootball.com, getting a lot of positive uh, f- feedback, if you will, as fans and players read through that. He now joins us on BYU Sports Nation. Brandon, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm feeling okay. Glad to have you with us on the show. Can you kind of talk about why you decided to uh, open this OgletreeFootball.com and, and where your desire to, to join that conversation came? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as as a football fan, you know, even though you know, I was a player, uh, you know, you always read things. Um, and I just thought there was a real need in this market for – um, some more intelligent football conversation. And so uh, it was actually kind of a last-minute decision the night before the Virginia game. I figured, hey, if I'm going to actually do this, I better you know have some up before the game tomorrow so it's official to start the season. And uh, I got a buddy that's you know pretty tech-savvy, and he helped me kind of get it started. And you know, I cranked out a little post. Uh, you know, I was up from, you know, about midnight till 5 a.m. the night before the game. And, uh, it's, I mean, I haven't really looked back since then. It's taken off, and I've really appreciated all the feedback I've gotten. And it's, you know, a lot of people saying, hey, thanks. You know, what, this market is lacking something like this. And uh, so it's been really cool, you know, to hear everyone's feedback. 
How much have you uh, talked to your former teammates and the guys on this year's team um, about you know what's happened through the first two games and what has been the reaction from I guess especially that your fellow linebackers on how they played so far? Um, you know we don't really. I talk to them all the time. I'm really good friends with Kyle. Really good friends with Spence. Um, we don't really talk about football that much. I mean, you know, I tell them I tell them good job and good luck for the game and stuff. But you know, we. We usually talk about something else. I know they're really uh, they're really satisfied so far with you know how they've played uh, that Virginia game. That was just you know a beat down defensively, and you know you wish you could have turned out wish you could have turned out the other way. And then you know against Texas, they you know they hit that quarterback so many times, and it was just it was an awesome thing to just watch that whole team, the whole Texas team collapse, and uh, you know it was a great win. Out of sheer morbid curiosity, what do you talk about with your former teammates? We talk about everything, man. I mean, just, you know, the things that normal friends would talk about, whether it's, you know, sports, politics, you name it. I mean, we get into everything. Politics. Okay. Hey, I, I like to hear that. Keeping it well-rounded. Brandon Ogletree joining us on BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. Brandon, we've been asking uh, our fan base on Twitter – how BYU becomes more nationally relevant, the quickest path to do that. What are your thoughts uh, on BYU garnering more attention, especially given that Texas and how poorly they played has really become the headline and not BYU? What does the Cougar football program need to do to gain some more traction nationally? Well, you just have to win games. I mean, if you look at Boise State, you know, they they go down and beat a really quality Georgia team in Atlanta. Uh, the reason people don't question Georgia, you know, they give props to Boise State is because Boise State's used to winning. So BYU wants to do that. Uh, only re- simple recipe is just winning games. And, you know, the way the schedule's designed, you have some games against quality opponents. By the end of the season, if BYU beats Notre Dame and Wisconsin, and Georgia Tech, and Boise State, and Utah, uh, you know, people will look back at that Texas game and say, hey, maybe Texas didn't play as bad as we thought they did. Looks like BYU's actually, you know, a really good team. As well as the offenses played, the defense uh, has been tremendous through the first two games. And the question going into this year was, how good will the defense be given some of the losses, yourself included, on the defensive side of the ball? What have been some of your observations as, you, as you've watched the 2013 version of Broncos defense? They're still really thin on the D-line uh, and then really thin at corner. Um, but... You know, the thing is, they've made up with it. They've made up with some of their deficiencies by how hard they've played and just their execution. Um, and, uh, you know, you hope you hope everyone on the D-line can stay healthy. You hope there's no more injuries to the secondary. Uh, and, you know, if they keep playing uh, the way they have been, you know, they're just going to keep carrying the team. And by now, it's just what you expect of the BYU defense. And so... Especially for me, you know, I just expect them to keep doing what they're doing. Brandon, the linebackers are so physical. Uh, you definitely lived up to that mantra when you played in a BYU uniform. Really, in a lot of ways, BYU has become a linebacker. You when, when, and how did that atmosphere develop uh, for the Cougars? Well, I mean, I look at you know, long before I ever got to BYU, and you had. You know, linebackers like Kurt Govea, uh, 
Chad Hansen, Brady Vapinga. Um, you know, it's always, you know, we've always had really good linebackers. And then, you know, even during, if you just look at the Bronco Mendenhall era, uh, Cameron Jensen, Kelly Vapinga, um, Colby Clawson, Jordan Pendleton, uh, and then, you know, the guys on the more current teams, you just have some dudes that are hard-nosed, uh, take pride in being physical and take pride in, you know, being ready for a game mentally. Uh, you know, you have some really smart dudes in that group, smart football players. And then, uh, you know, just you have, to be, you have to have a different mentality than a normal person to play linebacker. And I think BYU's done a good job of getting those dudes here and plugging them into a system that allows them to shine. Last year, going into fall camp, uh, as we chat with Brandon Ogletree, former BYU linebacker here on BYU Sports Nation, uh, I asked a bunch of people last year, okay, if if we threw two guys into the octagon, or who would win in a team kind of MMA octagon-style fight? And you were the unanimous selection for the winner of that. Who has taken <laughs> over that role this year? And, and guys were saying, Brandon Ogletree is crazy. And I, I said, I want my middle linebacker crazy. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't like, I, I don't, I don't know who takes that role this year. Um, it, they might have to get it done by committee and each, you know, tap in a few rounds. But I'm not sure if there's one crazy dude on the team. I'm not sure you really need a crazy dude to be a good defense. You just have to have good players, and so. Um, I wouldn't even know who to guess as far as answering that question. Brandon, we shift our attention a little bit now to the Utah game. We're in a bye week now, uh, is BYU. What should the Cougars expect from the Utes come September 21st in Provo, Utah? Kyle Whittingham is a master game planner. Do you feel like BYU can continue to play with the execution level and the intensity they had against Texas facing the U this year? Well, of course, if not, I mean, they need to check their pulse. It's a it's a rivalry game. If you can't play with intensity for that, then I don't, there's nothing to tell you. Uh, you University of Utah, they they get up uh, for the game against BYU uh, in a very unique way. You know, it's kind of especially in the recent years, it's kind of been their uh, their Super Bowl or their bowl game, and. Uh, and they live for that game, and you know, whereas Brago Mendenhall, he treats it a little differently. Uh, he treats it like it's just another game, prepare the same way, um, and play the same way that you're used to playing and executing. And so, two different uh, philosophies as far as game preparation goes, I think from from each coach. But both teams are going to play hard. Uh, it's going to come down to one or two or three crucial plays, whether that's a blown coverage or, you know, a great offensive catch or something like that. And then, uh, you know, the turnover battle. So BYU can hold on to the football, um, you know, move the ball offensively and give the defense a chance to just uh, do what they do. I think BYU will be all right. Tuesday, Blaine Fowler uh, was on the show and discussed the fact that uh, Utah has kind of set the tone, it seemed like, the last couple of years. How does BYU set the tone, especially physically, against Utah like they get, did against Texas? Um, I mean, physically, BYU will be the more physical team. That's, you know, even in the past two years when BYU's lost, that's it's kind of how it's been. I think the way they set the tone is just uh, by causing turnovers and 
you know, it's hard to win a game against a good team, and Utah is a good team, but it's hard to win against a good team when you're giving them the ball with opportunities to score easily. And, uh, you know, if we take care of that, I think everything's going to be all right. Brandon Ogletree joining us on BYU Sports Nation. You can tweet any thoughts, comments, or questions you have for him at BYU Sports Nation. Brandon, BYU is a program that has thrived despite limitations in recruiting, uh, whatever you throw in the honor code effect. It it affects the kind of athletes that come to BYU on a regular basis, yet they still find success most every season. How much of that do you credit to the coaching staff specifically? That's all coaching. I mean, the fact is that BYU has less talent than most teams they play. Uh, you know, especially from big programs. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, BYU is underrated talent wise, but the fact remains that when you go against a team like Texas, uh, you know, they have more talented players. And, uh, you make up for that by executing, by having the players know the game plan, uh, by playing harder than the other team, which BYU, uh, does week in and week out. And, uh, you know, and just playing with heart. And, you know, BYU's full of guys that may not be five-star recruits, but they play with a chip on their shoulder and, uh, you know, play the game the way it's supposed to be played, and it's been working out pretty well. Bronco Mendenhall has uh, really made it a point to become defensive-oriented, to make sure that when you play BYU, you remember playing BYU because of how hard they hit you and how physical they were. But inside, I've heard that, that Bronco Mendenhall can be a little bit of a softy with some of his players. What are some things that you noticed that uh, you had in your relationship with Bronco that maybe a lot of the public doesn't know about? <laughs> I wouldn't call him a softy, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> definitely, he's definitely a hard-nosed coach who expects a lot out of his players, but at the same time, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that he's a player's coach. He he loves his players. Um, he'll do anything for his players, and he puts his players above everything. And, uh, you know, there's been times where we've just been absolutely worn out, you know, after a tough week of practice going into a Thursday practice when you're supposed to, you know, be getting ready for a Saturday game. And, you know, just told him straight up, hey, coach, you know, our legs are dead, man. Let's let's tone it back a little and you know that's he loves feedback like that because he can work with that and so you know instead of you know going full pads and banging heads you know for for 20 periods he'll scale it back and you know we'll go out in shorts and helmets and 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 still get work done that way but he's all about he's all about doing what's best for the players and so you can call that a softy or whatever you want but um that's just that's just who he is Maybe softy was the wrong word. <laughs> Take it off the transcript. We're we're wrapping up with uh, Brandon Ogletree here. Brandon, uh, final question: What aren't we talking about with this BYU team that you've observed that we should be? Um, it's a good question. I, I I can't say I've really paid that much attention to what's been talked about, but. Um, I think a really underlying factor that I don't know if a lot of people notice is uh, how well the D-lines played. And, uh, you know, against uh, against Virginia, I thought they played pretty well. I uh, would, would have liked to have seen them in the backfield a little bit more. But against Texas, they 
continually dominated a really talented Texas O-line. And, uh, yeah, with three and four-man rushes, especially even three-man rushes with Ethan and Bronson and Remington Peck getting into the backfield. And so if they can continue to do that, that alleviates a lot of the stress that will be put on the secondary, especially the corners. And, uh, and BYU's going to win a lot of games if they just keep getting after the quarterback. Brandon Ogletree offering a voice of reason within BYU Sports Nation. We appreciate the time and the insights, Brandon. And best of luck with OgletreeFootball.com. If you haven't looked at it, take a look. Really insightful stuff from a guy who understands BYU to the core. Brandon, uh, best of luck and thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Talk to you later. Up next, blazing the trail. Which teams have done essentially what BYU needs and wants to do to become more nationally relevant. We discuss that next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio with Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton. Tomorrow night on BYU TV and BYU Radio, women's volleyball host UC Irvine catch the action at 9 p.m. Eastern time. With my man, Spencer Linton Woo! and Kristen Kozlowski. Love the shout-out, man. You had a good one uh, last night. BYU swept Montana State. It was a quick game. Uh, the Cougars, 4-3, and three, entering that game. 3 uh, nothing sweep. They moved to 5-3. and three. Their home opener. They played seven straight road matches to open the season and uh, came out with a bang. Tamber Haddock, we'll talk a little bit more about her in the Cougar whip round, but uh, had a great night. It was her debut in the Smithfield House, and she made it one to remember. Boom goes the dynamite. Let's update the poll results on BYUTVSports.com. What will BYU's record be through eight games this season? 7-1 and one leading the way, followed by 6-2, and 5-3, and three, and still 0%, 4-4 four or worse. Uh, optimism. Yeah, the, the expectations are high. And again, you can't argue that after what they did against Texas. But we have Jerem here to temper the excitement, much like you did last week. I should give you credit last week as well. After the Virginia loss... You said, hold on, the potential is there, the skill players are there, the effort is there, and certainly enough on Saturday against Texas. They they proved you right, my friend. And there will be a similar regression to the mean, as Nate Mickle blogged about uh, with KSL a couple weeks ago, uh, meaning BYU played a certain way, it's going to get better. They played really well. There's, you know, that, that might be the best BYU can play in a game. I don't. I don't want to say that BYU is not capable of. That sounds like. Well, yeah, that's what I said basically. BYU played a tremendous game. Can they top that game offensively? I don't know. You could score more points. You could do it in different ways. But BYU, it took fifty-five years to rush for that many yards. So what I mean by that is BYU could still have really good offensive games and but get more points out of it. You could have a game where you get more turnovers. You score more than forty. But as long as BYU wins those games, it doesn't matter how they do it. But it was exciting to see them do it a certain way. Just crush a team on the ground and a team like Texas. That, that's what was so good about it. It wasn't just winning. It was how BYU did it. It took 55 years for BYU to break their single-game rushing record as a team. I wouldn't anticipate that BYU will run for more than 550 yards. Right. But a 300-yard <laughs> passing game from Taysom Very attainable. Would, uh, would almost... It's not more impressive than 259 on the ground, but at this point, given the completion percentage, that would be quite the game. So I'm thinking 200 is probably the good benchmark for Taysom for passing game per passing yards per game the rest of the season. 
There are a couple of teams uh, in college football that have taken unique models and really blazed the trail and creating that, that's the buzzword, BCS uh, notoriety. And we're going to break down a couple of those teams right now. One of them, BYU, will play this year and play for many years to come, and that is Boise State. The Broncos don't always win pretty, but they win consistently, and they win big games. They beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. They beat Georgia. They had Oregon three or four years ago on the blue turf, they only and get eight, they won that game. one big game a year, and they usually win it. Now, this year is different. They got blown out against Washington on, on the road. But in years past, they've had a big game, and they've won it, and then they've won all the other games, with the exception of a game or two where they missed field goal and double OT at Nevada and whatnot. But they were getting into BCS games, and they were relevant. It started to become about Boise State later, that Oklahoma win. It's all about, how did Oklahoma lose this game? And it was miraculous that Boise State won the game. Uh, if it was a blowout, it probably would have been, what happened to Oklahoma? But as Boise State continued to win, credibility. It's all about winning. BYU continues to win. They'll be nationally relevant. It'll be less about the opponent, more about BYU. And that is the general message we are getting on Twitter from everyone. Just win games. Keep on winning. Uh, and, and we'll get to some more of those specifically. But the Broncos are certainly uh, a team to be respected. Chris Peterson's doing a fantastic job. I think on Saturday he spent most of his time as the proxy USC or Texas coach because of all of the upset Trojan and Longhorn fans. They want Chris Peterson, and there's a good reason, because he knows how to win. Yeah, so Boise State is one team. The other team that we're kind of looking at is the Texas A&M Aggies last year. Of course, Johnny Manziel, Richard Freshman wins the Heisman. So they end up losing their first game. They lose to Florida, 20-17. to Now, Virginia's not Florida. But just, just kind of the path and the way they did it. Obviously, the SEC schedule is a little different. But they end up winning, it looks like, five, six straight, and then they lose to LSU by five, and then they win the rest of the year. So just, they had two losses, but they were relevant. One, because of, because of Manziel's play, but more importantly, they were winning. And they were winning uh, in a big way against some good teams outside of those two losses. They finished this season with a huge win against Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. So that's... There's somewhat uh, something you could be said, and of course, of course, what put them on the map uh, is at Alabama. They win the game. At that point, they become relevant. That's your, that's your launching pad. Yes, and unfortunately, I don't think BYU, ha- BYU doesn't have an Alabama type game there. Notre Dame already lost. If if they uh, continue to win, that game in November could be huge. They'd be a top ten team. Wisconsin could be top ten as well. So maybe maybe there is out in Alabama. I don't know if those two teams are going to be... I mean, Wisconsin has six losses last year. Yeah. It's a new season with Gary Anderson, but uh, BYU, you hope you have a 1990 Miami. That that got Detmer... The that was the launching pad. Yeah. Manziel. You need a Heisman. launching pad. Yeah. yeah, Manziel beat Alabama. Detmer beat Miami, the number one team. You have to have that launching pad game if you want a Heisman Trophy winner and if you really want to garner some serious national respect. And if BYU's 7-1 and one going into the fall, that means Taysom Hill is doing work. And he's a top 10 Heisman candidate. That's what that would mean. Now, we should clarify. We're not trying to say BYU is comparable to Texas A&M right now or that they play as tough a schedule as Texas A&M and the SEC. We all know the SEC is incredible. It really is ridiculous. It's another level. It, it is like the step between college football and the NFL. You look at the number of SEC players in the NFL, it is mind-blowing. 
Yeah, so Boise State's more of a more of a uh, similar model. Although BYU is now playing tougher schedules than Boise State has pl- ever played and will ever play. As long as Boise State is a Mountain West Conference team, yeah, they'll have that that challenge. BYU with the Independence, they have put together a really good track this year and have given themselves an opportunity to make some serious noise. Okay. With that out there, we invite you to share your thoughts. BYU, how do they get that national notoriety? Is it going to be more like the Boise State model? Or perhaps if they get a big game like Texas A&M had against Alabama. Oh, by the way, Texas A&M and Alabama play this Saturday. The biggest game in the history of mankind. That's that, what that's it will what, be that's pumped the media is telling us right now. <laughs> it is the, the biggest. thirty on CBS. Can't wait. Yeah. Huge, huge matchup. And you better believe Alabama uh, will come out Fired up, twelfth man. Look out, though. Those dudes in those dudes in white doing the cheers. Look out. <laughs> How cool is college football? It's awesome. It's the greatest. Sound off, my friends, on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. How does BYU become nationally relevant? And we're going to go to some of those tweets right now. Okay, at John Karen says, uh, not lose to Virginia their first game. Yeah. <laughs> if BYU if BYU's two and zero after that Texas game, maybe it's a little more about BYU. Sure, but yeah, don't don't lose. Don't lose. They're certainly a top twenty-five team. Yeah, if they beat Virginia, but exactly, they can only control. BYU can only control what they can control now. All right, at BYU Insider said, "There's only one way: do what they BYU did Saturday, meaningful football games." So that's more along the lines of the Texas A&M thing. And he he weighed in again. Uh, he or she at BYU Insider. Nobody cares about a losing football team. BYU wants to be relevant, continue to win, and flirt. With the top 15. Which brings me to a point. When BYU had a conference, that gave them context for the season. What's BYU's context for the season? No. Mm. It's a ranking. That's it. You're re- everyone has a record. Everyone's got that. But without a conference, you need a ranking to, f- to have context to where you, where you fit. That's why Notre Dame is relevant. Because they're almost always ranked. They're consistently ranked. Yeah, they're winning. BYU needs to get ranked. At Riley Banks says, just win, baby. I believe we said that a few times yesterday in the words of uh, former Raider owner Al Davis. That's a shout-out to our producer Ben Bagley. Huge Raiders fan. Lifetime Raiders fan. (laughs) We move on. At underscore quick. Better game atmosphere at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Play schools, non- and BCS teams in the East Coast, Midwest, Southern, no more Mountain West Conference teams. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I mean, the scheduling... You'll it's all... hard to schedule yes. so many games. So Tom Homel is using those relationships to, to fill the schedule. And, and from a TV perspective, it would be great not to have Mountain West teams involved because the rights issues are sticky for road games. How many minutes of highlights we get, video on demand, whatnot. The home games are easy. So as a BYU fan, fan it'd be easier to not have Mountain West teams, but... We're not talking about the upper echelon Mountain West teams. We're talking about some winnable games that BYU's put on the schedule. For example, did you know that we know the 2014 schedule already? It's out. It's, it's filled out. It's not official, but of what's been announced, we've got it. Let me tell you. Let me tell it to you right now. The home games: Virginia, Houston, Utah State, Nevada, Southern Miss, UNLV. All winnable. You can win all those games. Road games at Connecticut, at Texas. That's going to be crazy at Texas next year. Yes. By the way, after this year's team. At Central Florida, at Boise State, at Middle Tennessee, at Cal. Wow. I mean, really, the schedule. That sets up way better than this year, I'll tell you that. And you have a year of experience more to add to 
your skill players at quarterback and running back. So to the point of at underscore quick, you're playing all over the country there. That is that is you're a in Tennessee, nationwide Idaho, schedule. Florida, Texas, Connecticut in your road games and California. Okay, some, some more great tweets. This, this is one of my favorites. At loyal Cougars, win obviously. That's the only way to get attention for what you want. Otherwise, Bronco would have to do something ridiculous on the sidelines to garner some negative attention, which he's not going to do. So yeah. basically, it's win games. At Wife for Life, win on ESPN, ESPN2, make it to a BCS game and not lose to Virginia. If BYU wants to get into the top 25, have to beat Utah. Right now, BYU's one of the five to seven teams out. They beat Utah. They're right on the edge. You beat Middle Tennessee, you're probably in. That's what that means in the next two games. And that is the context to the season. Get ranked. Okay, last tweet uh, right now comes from at Zach Brady7. Win big games and then don't turn around and get smoked, a la Florida State 2009. BYU beats Oklahoma 14-13. Beats Tulane. Beats Tulane handily. And then... Florida State takes it to the Cougars at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I think it was 54-28 or something When BYU like that. loses big, I can't remember. I just put it out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we appreciate the conversation and all those tweets at BYU Sports Nation. Coming up, we discuss all other things relevant to Cougar athletics, including the one team you should be paying attention to, BYU fans. This is BYU Sports Nation. Now, here's the Cougar Whip Around. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. It's time for the whip around. Basketball. We now know all of the BYU games on the ESPN family of networks. The first game, November 11th at Stanford, played on ESPN2. Both Gonzaga and both St. Mary's games will be on an ESPN channel. There are a total of 10 games on the worldwide leader. Go to BYUCougars.com for that full TV schedule as it stands now. BYU TV games will be announced in just a few weeks. Women's volleyball. BYU swept Montana State yesterday, 25-15, 25-19, 25-10 in the 2013 home opener to improve to 5-3 on the season. Tambor Haddock led the Cougars with 17 kills. BYU hit the ball effectively, hit 387. Next up for BYU Tangle with UC Irvine, the Anteaters, on Thursday on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Soccer. Okay, here's the team that if you aren't paying attention to, you should be. The sixth-ranked Cougars head to Oregon to face the Ducks on the Pac-12 Network this Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Mountain. BYU is one of eight unbeaten and untied teams in the NSCAA Top 25. The sixth-ranked Cougars return to Provo on Saturday to play those same Anteaters from UC Irvine live on BYU TV and BYU Radio, 9 p.m. Eastern Time for the kickoff. We remind you, uh, Friday, Steve Young's going to be on the show. Steve Young on BYU Sports Nation Friday. Make sure you check that out. And tomorrow, Graham Watson of Yahoo Sports. She's a college football writer. Uh, She'll weigh in on BYU from the national perspective, as well as Jason Beck, Ja Beck, uh, the quarterback's coach for BYU, will weigh in uh, with us tomorrow as well. So a couple of uh, good guests coming up in the next few days. Yeah, Jerem referencing the uh, 2006 conundrum of having two Jay Becks on the team. You had John Beck and Jason Beck. Yeah. Uh, we had Joe Beck, which was John Beck, J-O dot Beck, and then we had the J-A dot Beck, so Joe Beck and Ja Beck. I played pickup basketball in the... Uh, 
Smith Fieldhouse and Richard Building with a, a group in athletics pretty consistently. And Jason Beck's one of those guys. So I'll yell at him, Ja Beck! What, you know, if I want the ball or a pass is coming. Andrew George, former tight end, is with us. One day he said, Joe Beck's not here. You can just call him Beck if you want. Oh, yeah, I could, but he's, but he's Ja Beck. He's Ja Beck. Right. Yeah. Speaking of John Beck, he was on the sidelines on Saturday against Texas. Stood right behind him, and I would imagine that guy will somewhere end up uh, on a roster, an NFL roster this season. Just about uh, earned Almost his made way. The Bills. Yeah, on his way on the Bills roster. Also had a tryouts with the Jets. So interesting to see what happens to him. Now it's time for your rise and shout. The Rise and Shout today goes to Brigham Young University. Uh, Tuesday, the U.S. News and World Report released its annual national rankings. BYU came in 62nd. Utah, 121. Utah State, 190. We love you, Ben Bagley. The rankings are based on selectivity, retention, and graduation rates, and pure awesomeness. Princeton (laughs) edged out Harvard and Yale for number one this year. Cal Berkeley was ranked the number one public school. I didn't realize you could quantify awesomeness. Well, I think that BYU is more awesomer than 62nd. But, yeah, you get the point. As long as BYU is higher than Utah and Utah State. Okay, really quickly, before (laughs) we get to more tweets. Love you. Some more about uh, the BYU women's soccer team. Again, they're ranked sixth in the country. If that's not enough, they have really defied the odds, given that they lost so much talent last year. I mean, they watched a lot of goal scoring go away and some talented defenders. Their defensive back line is really young. Uh, Britton Dearden, Annie Amos, Avery Calton. It's freshmen and sophomores. So the Cougars have really risen to the challenge this year to uphold that ranking in the early part of the season. It will get tougher this week. Playing at Oregon, going to be a challenge. They handled LSU and Baton Rouge. Can they handle the Ducks in Oregon, which is always a raucous crowd? Great college atmosphere. And then they come home and play a pretty good UC Irvine team that just beat Oregon, by the way. So the Cougars will have two formidable challenges this week. Uh, One note, Jaden Thornock, one of the usual starters, will not play because of that debacle against Utah. She was given two yellow cards and will uh, have to sit out against Oregon. So a bit of a loss there. Also, Michelle Murphy, their returning leading scorer out with an ACL injury for the year. So BYU has already faced some injury challenges. How do they respond now that the schedule becomes tougher? And then into West Coast Conference play, they're actually picked to finish third behind uh, Portland, S- and, Portland Santa Clara. and Santa Clara. So they're ranked higher than them in the NSCAA poll, but picked to finish third uh, coming off that remarkable year last year. If you haven't seen or been to a women's soccer game, it's legit. It's the most legit uh seen in college soccer in America. 5,000-plus in the last two games uh, at Southfield. It's fun to see on TV and hear Spencer's voice if you haven't already. But if not, show up at Southfield. It's quite the atmosphere. It is unbelievable, and I'll leave it at that. One more time, Steve Young joining the show this Friday. Steve Young, and tomorrow Graham Watson, a great college football insider from Yahoo Sports, as well as quarterbacks coach Jason Beck on the show. Job Beck. We appreciate all the tweets today and the interaction uh, via the we- uh, the Weed Wide Web. The Weed Wide Web. <laughs> How about the World Wide Web? Wow! <laughs> Big thanks to everyone on our uh, crew, Ben Bagley, uh, our producer, senior coordinating producer, Michael Miner, Don Schlein, the BYU Radio Station Manager, and of course, Alan Minner, uh, Miller and Spencer King breaking it down, and uh, Aaron Evans, our engineer. Check out archived episodes of the show on BYU Radio's YouTube channel every afternoon for Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. You have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.